Health is Wealth with Dr. Mike is brought to you by Pizzaville, where you can enjoy the best gluten-free crust pizza, the traditional Italian way, stone-baked. Customize your own gluten-free crust creation or choose one of our signature gourmet pizzas on an 11-inch gluten-free crust. Health is Wealth. Natural medicine, natural solutions. Health is Wealth with Dr. Mike on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and this is Health is Wealth with Dr. Mike Carozza. I'm Station Manager Tina Cortez. Good morning, Dr. Mike. Good morning, Tina. How are you doing on this sunny Saturday? You know what? Uh, We can't complain. We're having a wonderful fall, for sure. The sun is shining. Uh, It's a little uh, brisk in the morning, but uh, I I don't think we can complain because so long as the sun is shining and um, we can get outside, I think we're still good. For sure, it puts, you know, a little bit of a kick in your step and a smile on your face. Now the kids are back in school. Some are learning online. March break is finally over. And here we are, you know, here we are at the last weekend of summer 2020. What was the highlight, if you could say a highlight, of the summer of COVID for you? I think um, for myself, well, first of all, that was the longest March break, obviously, in history. Um, (laughs) I think the, you know, there's, um, we had some ups and downs, but I think the highlight was the actual summer. I think, you know, for, for the entire COVID-19, I think a lot of people could relate. And I know a lot of my patients have also commented, and um, I'm sure you can uh, attest to this as well, that uh, the fact that we had a wonderful summer, the fact that we had summer um, in, in midst of this uh, pandemic has been uh, you know, tremendous and very, very good for everyone. Um, and especially, you know, when we start seeing things like the numbers come down and, and spending more time outside and the research shows that this is what we really needed. And when we were talking, when we were doing the show, uh, I'm sure you remember, Tina, back in, um, you know, March and April, right amidst of this, uh, the start of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, from my home studio and we were chatting. We were, we were just, you know, literally praying for the warm weather and saying, you know, we were like, what's some pits, Dr. Mike? And I was like, let's get outside. Let's make sure we enjoy the warm weather. Don't worry. So as long as the warm weather comes, we'll get outside. The numbers will drop. And lo and behold, that's what took place. I mean, of course, there was a lot of restrictions, which helped as well. Um, But the idea was, I think, you know, to answer your question, for me, uh, the summer was probably one of the best summers I've ever had in my entire uh, you know, life with my kids, because we got to do things that normally we weren't able to do. And so, you know, camping and fishing is something that I've always loved. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's sort of, uh, it made me do it every weekend, and I never thought I would be able to. So we were sort of doing this, uh, we were camping, uh, you know, almost, uh, you know, every every beautiful weekend, because we had wonderful weather. Um, So I think, um, camping and then, you know, uh, a lot of uh, outdoor activities and sports with, uh, with the kids were, were something that was most memorable for me and I, probably something I'll never forget. Absolutely. I think but, there were so many moments in this pandemic where we stopped. We were forced to stop and take a moment and be grateful. Yes, there were some difficult days, yes, in March and April when we hunkered down and we really couldn't go anywhere. Those were difficult days, and there were so many terrible things happening in our long-term care homes, in our hospitals. But we have come through the other side. 
Now, the number of COVID cases has gone up a little recently. Earlier this week, the province changed the rules surrounding the number of people allowed to gather inside and out. What concerns you most then as we approach the fall and cold and flu season? Well, I think the, the major concerns are, are simple. Are simply, what um, what um, what I think has been happening is that you know a lot of people have been letting their guard down, um, and I think this concerns a lot of individuals. And so, you know, to, we we just you know if I can give a little point and a piece of advice to our listeners is that look, we want to make sure that our business, all businesses, are running up. We want to make sure that everything goes smoothly, and so as long as everybody t- you know does their um, does their job and due diligence in terms of um, hygiene, social distancing, uh, making sure we keep our masks on indoors and, um, and doing all the things that we should be doing amongst each other. And then if you are having the sniffles, if you're not feeling well and you're just not sure what's going on, don't guess. Don't think, hey, maybe it's just an allergy. I don't know what's going on. My, I, can't, uh, I can't breathe well. I have a sore throat. I don't feel well. You know, these are, these are sometimes uh, very minute you know, symptoms, but they could be pretty much uh, devastating to uh, a lot of individuals. And I know um, there, there's been have a lot of uh, honing down in terms of the gatherings and whatnot. And so I read an article this morning stating that even the smallest of gatherings are concerned. The biggest concern I have is that amidst of the cold and flu season, we're going to have viruses that kick around. Okay. And the fact that mask coverings are there, I anticipate you know, we're probably going to have a lower cold and flu season so as long as everybody does their role, in my opinion. I mean, now, now that with the mask wearing, uh, really, because, you know, the, the spread of the flu is by aerosol as well. And uh, this is just going to, I think it's going to be controlled. Um, but there are going to be, and, and as we've seen it already in a couple of schools, there are going to be a couple of people who are going to get into a situation and it's going to be forcing um, some some drastic measures, unfortunately. So, again, you know, check your children's temperature. Make sure they're they're in check um, and proper hand washing and hygiene and just continue to be involved, do the things you want to do with your kids. But I think social distancing is still important because we can't start having parties and, and going on. And I talked to another patient yesterday and she mentioned to me, she goes, my son's 14. He wants to hang out with his friends. I don't know what he's doing. And, and they're just going about and, and running around. So, I mean, you know, hey, just you can speak from far. You can still hang out with your friends, but just really uh, work on the hygiene and just remember that we got to stay healthy. All of us have to stay healthy to keep our society, our community, and everything sort of up and running. You're absolutely right. We really, as you said, we cannot let our guard down again because we do not want to be shut down again. Can I just ask you a quick question about vitamin C and vitamin D? Do you think it's a good idea around this time of year to increase our intake of vitamin C and D? Most important nutrients, probably. Um, vitamin D, uh, you know, we're lucky because we do have the sun, but you have to, you have to understand the sun is not as strong as it normally is in uh, mid-July. Like, so the vitamin D synthesis is not taking place. Plus, indoors is, is happening now. Kids are going into school. Even though they're doing more outdoor stuff, they're still inside. So, yes, vitamin D is going to be extremely important for both cold and flu. Vitamin C is a potent antioxidant as well, uh, and it's going to be very, very essential in terms of uh, helping the children. But you can get these from fruits and vegetables. But for those children who are not, you know, maybe are not really good food eaters, 
um, you know, I have one of them, uh, then, you know, supplementation with vitamin C is going to be really, really important. But of course, talk to your doctor about that and taking the vitamin D because you don't want to take too much vitamin D. So speak to your practitioner about that and, and get going. But another key nutrient, I think, uh, right now as a maintenance is going to be zinc through this whole thing because the research uh, shows it's pretty uh, important as a mineral and it helps with the immune system. Um, so zinc is going to be a powerhouse and, you know, it should, uh, should be on the top of everybody's list as well. Great advice. When we come back, a pediatrician from south of the border with her take on back to school. This is Health is Wealth on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Mike? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. More with Dr. Mike and Health is Wealth when we come back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we realised that our extra-large pizza is two whole inches longer than the so-called extra-large from the big pizza conglomerates. How do they even call theirs extra-large when Pizzaville gives you 18 whopping inches, steaming hot? Because, let's be honest, who wouldn't want two more inches? Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Health is Wealth is back with Dr. Mike on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region and welcome back to Health is Wealth. Over to Dr. Mike with today's guest, Dr. Mike. Thank you, Tina. Okay, today we welcome back holistic pediatrician who practices in Charlotte, North Carolina, Dr. Anna Maria Temple. Thank you very much for joining us once again. So great to be here. Well, I've been looking forward to it all week. <laughs> so listen, we begin this week, of course, um, we want to talk a little bit about, you know, in terms of um, in Canada, we uh, actually just sent off our kids to school. This is the first official week. Um, we know that the U.S. is very different. Um, we just want to talk to you about that. How are things going with you in the U.S. and, and the kids? It has been quite an interesting ride. You know, our colleges went in, in session middle of August. The, our schools, our uh, local high school and middle schools went in session middle of August as well, but online. And in the college sector, it's been some universities were open for one day, I kid you not, before they had a case of COVID and then they shut down a university of 50,000 students and sent everybody home. And then we have other universities that are implying more creative roles. I don't know if you heard about this one. This may be interesting. In the University of Arizona, they started testing um, the sewage from the dorms um, for COVID. And if a sewage from a dorm tests positive, then they isolate all the kids from that dorm. They test everyone in that dorm. They find the suite that is the hotspot, and they quarantine only those kids. Therefore, they're not sending anyone home. They know where it is, and they're keeping a quarantine. And in fact, more and more universities across the U.S. are starting to implement this. And I never even thought about it. So they're basically testing kids' poo for COVID. Wow. (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) And so in terms of the education system there, are the students primarily learning then in person, in class, or online? Is there a combination of both? What's happening where you are? Oh, I would say if we were going to look across the board, combination of both. We have some schools that are completely online. I have schools that are in person, and we're going to talk about what that's looking like. 
And then we have the, you come in this week in person, next week you're online, and it's moving back and forth and alternating and A days and B days. So each school system has its own uh, thing. So it's all over the map, basically. And is that working? <laughs> well, I would say I give it a... <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm boy. giving an average because I'll have kids that are going in school and what school's looking like for some kids. You know, I was going to put one of my children in a private school in town here. And it's basically like half the classroom size. Everyone is sitting at desks with masks on, plexiglass on either side. They can't really talk to each other. There's no group participation. There's no team building. And then when they go to lunch, they may sit outside. But if they have the masks off, they're not allowed to talk. So you have to eat in silence. I have one school that the kids have to take their chairs, like their soccer, like the sideline chairs. They bring a sideline chair to school. They take it outside. They sit in the middle of a grassy field six feet apart. They eat their lunch. And after that, they put their masks on, and they're not allowed to stand or really yell because you, you have to yell six feet apart with masks on. They can't yell. They can't stand up. So basically silence. So it is quite interesting, not to mention some of the preschools where my mamas are like, and then after the kids leave, the school is fumigating or missing the classrooms. And I'm like, what are we doing? Wow. So it's, um, it's quite the interesting uh, approach to this virus, I would say. Yeah, and it's interesting because uh, you brought it up. I mean, they're missing the classroom with this, um, these, uh, these noxious chemicals, this uh, COVID, if you will, spray. And I read an article about how that's actually affecting uh, our guts. Because it's really, uh, it's really, you know, it's one thing to just spray and fumigate the centers, but it's another thing when we're, you know, when we're extra clean, and um, you know, the microbes that we sort of need, and the probiotics that live on our skin, uh, and the beneficial bacteria, if you will, gets killed as well. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Obviously, I know you're huge on probiotics and, and gut health as well, but just wanted to bring that to light. Right. You know, I think like in this midst of COVID, we forgot that the National Institute of Health, the NIH, has specifically said that the human body is, for every one human cell, with 10 bacteria cells. And in our gut, we have 3.3 trillion bacteria, as you know. And so like three pounds of our weight is bacteria in our gut. And the bacteria covering our skin and our gut and our ears and mouth and whatever is important for cholesterol balance, insulin balance, hormones immune system, blood sugar regulation. And when we're spraying these chemicals, we are killing the symbiotic organisms that are living on our skin and inside us. And no one seems to be like, hey, what are we doing? We're trying to fight this tiny little virus. It's really tiny. You can't even see it with your eye. And we're fighting this thing. And yet what we're doing is we're damaging all this beautiful symbiotic relationship that our human body has with Mother Nature. And we don't even actually have any data that this is helping. And in fact, I have data in um, my upcoming book. One of the things I looked into is that does bleach actually affect your immune system? And in studies out of Netherlands, they show that people in households where they use bleach at least once a week, the kids had more common colds, more recurrent tonsillar infections, and more strep throat. So what is the, what is the solution then? What do we do? You know, there's other, number one, I think that one of the things that I think that we have learned as a world is to wash our hands, which really makes me happy that we're now washing our hands with soap and water. I mean, the, the amount of hand sanitizer has also gone out of control. That's another thing that is just killing our, our gut microbiome. 
Yeah. I understand sometimes you need to use it, right? But I mean, soap and water, people. And then really the biggest thing is if you're sick, don't go to school. If you're sick, you don't go to work. What we've learned over the past seven months is that Zoom works and that we can actually do a lot of our work from, from home so we don't have to go and expose people to our sickness when we're sick. And I would say those are the two, to me, those are the two biggest things that we have implemented. The rest of the stuff is I think we're just acting out of fear mm -hmm. and we're just reacting rather than really thinking logically through it. And, you know, for the schools, I'm like, you know, there are things on the market that are more holistic, that are EPA approved, which is the Environmental Protection Agency, that deter determines, it's a federal government agency, that determines if a product is actually safe against COVID. And there are products on the market that are safe against COVID, but are not going to destroy your gut and your microbiome. But to get that through, like, a school district, oh, my gosh. And let's just, you know, you mentioned it, so I want to bring it up, and then I want to talk about it, because you mentioned about bleach and how it's going to kill that microbiome. So the thing is, is that a bleach will, will, and it will disinfect, it will kill good and bad bacteria. So for our folks listening, the good bacteria is what we want. And so it's similar, you'll see this similarly in antibiotics. And antibiotics are going to kill the good and the bad. And, some, and sometimes they're very necessary, of course, uh, as you know, Dr. T. But, I mean, the key is here is the symbiotic relationship with the beneficial bacteria that's actually assisting and helping our immune system. And there actually are studies, and they're not just coming out now. They've been about, about for a few years about key strains of probiotics that would help the immune system. What are your thoughts on that, Dr. T.? Oh, I 100% agree. And I, you know, to your point earlier, it's like when, when we used to live on farms and the families that live on farms and, you know, with a horse poo and dog poo and sheep poo and, you know, kids are playing in dirt. Anyway, we were much healthier then. There's a direct correlation between us living on farms, moving to an industrialized city and the rise of chronic disease. Because I think people think that we're still, it's like, sterile organisms, like we can't have any germs. Like you always hear like, can't have cooties, you can't have germs. I'm like, no, we are one with the germs. Like we are together. And I agree. Now we're going from a problem of the industrialized nations. Now we're going to the bubbles that I call in the U.S. one of these tiny plexiglass bubbles and disinfecting ourselves. And now we're trying to get quote unquote cleaner. And in fact, I think we're going to cause a worsening disease because we are killing these guys which are the beneficial probiotics. And, you know, you can't, a lot of people are like, oh, it's, I'll just use bleach and then I will take a probiotic. It doesn't work that way because the probiotic that you're spending a lot of money on and, and taking it internally is not going to sit there. You just poop it out. The probiotic that you eat is going to have to be fed good fruits, good vegetables, you know, no toxins, reduce the toxins. We're trying to create an environment for all these probiotics. They're like our guests. And I'm like, you know, guests want to come into a place where it's comfortable and they have good food and they're welcomed by other people. They don't want to come into a hostile environment that is sterile, looks like a hospital. There's no one else out there. They get fed garbage. Those guys leave. And so I always tell my kids in clinic, I'm like, listen, if you take this pill and you don't care for it, you're just going to poop it out and might as well just take the money and chuck it in the toilet. Hmm. Now, Dr. Temple, your Instagram posts are filled with practical advice, including the back-to-school tips from a teacher. Can you share some of those with our listeners? Uh, yes. Yeah. So one of the things, like we said before, you know, we 
wanted to make sure that the the kids have a proper breakfast. You cannot send this, especially when we're going, whether we're in person or virtual, we have to have a proper breakfast because we have to fuel our brain with good food, and that means fruits and vegetables. That does not mean Pop-Tarts and cereal. And as you know, in the U.S., cereal is a rampant, is like the only thing that people can think of for breakfast. So we want to have good fuel before we go to school. We need to have a really good night's sleep. And it's not only is it important for brain power in virtual learning, but it's during sleep is when we are empowering our immune system and preparing it for the next day so we can fight whatever viruses and bacteria come at us every single day. Every single day that we walk out the door, we're exposed to between 2,000 and 3,000 antigens a day. What are those? Those are like little viral particles, mold particles, fungus, bacteria in our body is supposed to fight continuously against it, and a good night's sleep would help you with that. Um, other things we're going to have make sure that we're preparing our children in the middle of the school day that we have a good lunch. And a good lunch, again, is going to be lots of fruits and vegetables, healthy fats and protein. It's not chips, it's not crackers, it's not protein bars, because a lot of protein bars are just filled with sugar or granola bars, definitely no juice boxes, and have plenty of water. All of these are going to help the immune system and also help the children focus throughout the day. I can't tell you how many kids that go to school and eat Skittles and Pop-Tarts and Lunchables, and then they're like the biggest troublemakers in school and everybody is reaching for ADHD medications to kind of give um, examples of, of a few things. And, and I love that you mentioned that because, you know, we get a lot of calls in our office and I'm sure yours as well. And, and, and the common, uh, I guess the common question is, is constantly asked, it says, how do we boost our children's immune system, Dr. Mike? Please help us. And the key is, I mean, you just said it, fruits and vegetables, simple, just fruits and vegetables. And, to be, and to, just to echo your point earlier, the reason why this is extremely important is because these are going to contain some of the prebiotics that are going to help flourish the probiotics. The fibers from the fruits and the veggies are going to help with the probiotics so that they can continually have a good um, you know, an impression almost like you will about, you know, having guests in your house. You want them to come back, right? And so the beneficial bacteria want to stay. And so the best thing you can do, and I'm going to echo that point, is eating a healthy diet. And absolutely right. Cereal in the morning is not good enough. Crackers at lunch are definitely not good enough. Chips at night are not good enough. What points can you um, suggest for those moms out there that are having a hard time that their kids hate fruits and vegetables? Well, number one, we got to stop calling our children picky eaters. I'm at fault too because I got one of those. But if we stop, we need to stop labeling the children picky eaters because then they grow up and they will fulfill that label. Also, us as parents, we will parent them as picky eaters to further fulfill that label. So I'm always like, you know, why don't we just call the child a selective palate? And that way we're like, okay, that's much more positive. And the families need to eat fruits and vegetables. If the family at home is eating crackers at dinner and bread and macaroni and cheese and they expect the child to eat broccoli, that's not going to happen. Children don't listen to what we say, but they copy what they see. So we have to uh, role model the behavior of eating. Having kids come into the kitchen with no pressure, just help you cook. Mix the batters. I have, you know... Um, in the book, I go through all the ages from 
two until teenage years, they can all do something in the kitchen. However, they're annoying. They're messy. They cause more problems. <laughs> they make dinner prep take twice as long, so we don't want them in the kitchen. However, children who cook in the kitchen are going to eat more fruits and vegetables than kids who don't. And then coming, lastly, coming to the dinner table with the expectations that they're just going to touch the food. When we have kids with selective palates, we as parents already come to the table with a lot of anxiety and we're like, ah, oh, they're not going to eat, they're so annoying, they're going to starve, they're never going to sleep, they're losing weight, which picky, the selective palate people don't have a weight issue. Most of them, I'll say actually they probably have an overweight issue because they're filling themselves up with a bunch of garbage, which then causes the weight to go up. But coming to the dinner table with the expectation, you know, I'm going to give you three new things and then one for sure thing that is in the vegetable or fruit category. All the kid has to do is touch them, smell them, play with them. Now you've taken the pressure off your shoulders that this child's going to have to eat it. And we have to understand that eating is tasting is the last of our senses. We look at food, we smell food, we touch it, we feel it, we understand it, and then we taste it. So that's one of the reasons that cooking with the kids, going grocery shopping with the kids, growing plants in your yard with the children, it, those are all you, making the children use all their senses. So by the time they sit at the dinner table, they are ready to actually taste the food. I love it. Such a great recommendation and wonderful. What a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much, Dr. Temple. Thank you for coming on the show. Dr. Temple, please let our listeners know how to connect with you. Oh, I would love to have your listeners on my Instagram platform where I do lots of free education. It's D-R-A-N-A Maria Temple, or my website is D-R-A-N-A-Maria.com. We'd love to see you there. Well, thank you, Dr. Temple. Thanks for coming on the show. And just a reminder to our listeners, the diet and lifestyle changes we discussed today should be reviewed with your own doctor. Thanks, Dr. Mike, and Dr. Temple will be back next week, and that's our show for this week. Previous episodes of Health is Wealth on 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on Twitter at 1059theregion or call 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. This is 1059 The Region. Health is Wealth is brought to you by Apple Med Clinic, located at 3560 Rutherford Road, Unit 45. Email them, info at applemed.ca. Apple Med, taking a results-driven approach to patient care.